everybody. Welcome back to Mental Status. This is your host, Meg. Today, we are talking about the definitions of both compassion fatigue and burnout, talking about the differences between those two things. And we're also going to talk about how important it is to consider uh, both your identity and the identities of others when we are talking about these things. Okay, I'm super excited. Let's dig in. Okay, welcome back to this um, this episode of uh, Mental Status. I'm your host, Meg. I'm super excited to have you here today. Um, I sounded a little distracted there because I was. I was trying to look down at my computer to find my notes. Um, but yeah, so welcome back. I am excited about today's topic. Uh, this is, you know, we're far enough in now that I think it's probably a good time for us to talk a little bit about what we actually mean when we talk about burnout and how that is different from uh, compassion fatigue or vicarious traumatization. And these two things are often uh, confused for one another, and they're actually different different things. They, they happen together a lot. So a lot of folks, especially those who work in the mental health field or in uh, public-facing positions where you are helping people through extremely difficult times. So um, first responders, CPS workers, social workers, therapists, all this kind of stuff. Um, Burnout and compassion fatigue can often occur at the same time. And so it's understandable why it is easy to confuse the two. But For the purposes of today's episode, I wanted to make sure that we had uh, just kind of like a baseline understanding of what those two things are, and to kind of clarify that this podcast isn't necessarily about compassion fatigue. That's another that's another area that deserves its own um, its own podcast, quite frankly, and it's something that often um, often requires or would be hugely benefited by the individual who's experiencing it getting their own mental health treatment for it because it is it's a trauma response Um, and to be clear I think that folks who are experiencing burnout even if it's quote-unquote only burnout they also deserve the help of a mental health professional or a colleague or a peer a supervisor someone someone who can help them through that you know I talked in the first episode about how this is often a very lonely experience, and I want to work toward making it a little bit less lonely. So for today's episode, there are a couple things that I just, I want to make sure that are are talked about so that we have that shared understanding of burnout and what that means. And for the second half of it, I also want to talk about how your identity, all of the identities that you have as a person, contribute to your experience of burnout and how burnout is, even though it's kind of like a, a global term for this phenomenon that happens when we work in these types of fields, um, it's, it's a very personal experience for everybody who, who goes through it. And, you know, your your personal history, your background, your 
mental processes, your culture, everything, that's that's likely going to have an impact on how you approach burnout and how you experience it. So I just want to be able to touch on that as well um, and acknowledge that, you know, everybody, everybody's going to experience uh, the big B, the burnout, in, in different ways. So in order to define uh, both compassion fatigue and burnout, I'm actually going to pull some info from the American Institute of Stress, because like, I'm not going to go about reinventing the wheel. Somebody else has already done a lot of work, and a lot of research. It, they know their shit. So I'm not going to pretend like I'm the one who's coming up with this information. So I'm going to read off uh, what the American Institute, Institute of Stress says about compassion fatigue and burnout. Um, and I will link those Uh, pages in the show notes as well if you want to go ahead and do a little bit more reading for yourself. Um, And I will say that the information here is also, um, it's being pulled from a presentation that I did, gosh, I think it was back in May, May of 2021, uh, with a friend and colleague of mine uh, who works for a local nonprofit in Minneapolis. Uh, It's a shelter for victims of domestic abuse, uh, victim survivors. And we co-hosted a presentation called When Helpers Need Help. Um, And we talked a lot about how burnout shows up for folks, how compassion fatigue shows up for folks, uh, and how that can impact your work when you're in the helping field. So a lot of this information is being uh, pulled and repurposed from that that webinar that I co-hosted back in May. So first of all, let's define compassion fatigue. And again, this is coming from the American Institute of Stress. Quote, also called vicarious traumatization or secondary traumatization, this is the emotional residue or strain of exposure to working with those suffering from the consequences of traumatic events. It differs from burnout, but can coexist. Compassion fatigue can occur due to exposure on one case or can be due to a cumulative level of trauma. Okay, so that's compassion fatigue. It is that exposure to uh, the effects of others who are dealing with the consequences of a traumatic event. Um, I think what is maybe left out in this um, is... Well, I suppose it would actually be its own form of trauma. So for first responders who are called to scenes uh, where somebody has experienced a trauma, say a, um, an accident or a, a scene where, you know, there's domestic assault, uh, I do, I realized as I was saying that that's actually probably its own um, firsthand exposure to trauma and probably qualify a bit better uh, under um, primary exposure. So anyways, compassion fatigue, that is where you as the helper are uh, exposed to the suffering of other people who are dealing with the consequences of traumatic events. And again, this can be something that, you know, maybe you hear an extremely disturbing story from one of your clients, something that really, really hits at your core. Uh, So it can come from one case or it may come from multiple cases over a longer period of time where you are repeatedly hearing 
stories and listening to the effects of um, other people's traumas. Okay, so again, from the American Institute of Stress, we're going to talk a little bit about the symptoms of compassion fatigue. So it affects many dimensions of well-being. It includes nervous system arousal, which can show up as sleep disturbances. Uh, You have increases in your emotional intensity. Your cognitive ability decreases. Behavior and judgments might be impaired. Uh, Isolation, loss of morale, depression, and PTSD. So this is... uh, you have the potential of developing PTSD. Um, And when you go further down, uh, you may experience a loss of self-worth and your identity, your worldview, and your spirituality might be impacted. So the way that you are looking at other people and the world around you may start to change drastically from where it was before. Um, your beliefs and psychological psychological needs are impacted. Um, there's an increased need for safety, trust, intimacy, but those things can feel harder to achieve. Uh, you may experience a loss of hope and meaning. This can show up as like what they'd call existential despair. And you may have anger toward the perpetrators or even causal events. So you've got this sensation of anger that's inside of you that is pretty persistent. Okay, so those are the symptoms of compassion fatigue. And if you are familiar with PTSD as a diagnosis, and the presentation of that, um, a lot of these things may sound very familiar. So like I said earlier, compassion fatigue is a type of trauma response. Uh, It's not necessarily that you are there on the scene experiencing and witnessing the trauma, um, but it it is something that may occur as a result of hearing about or learning about trauma that others have experienced. Okay, so now we're going to move into talking about burnout, which is what this, what this podcast is about. So Again, uh, defined by the American Institute of Stress, burnout is the cumulative process marked by emotional exhaustion and withdrawal, and it's associated with increased workload and institutional stress. It's not trauma-related. So burnout itself is it's related to, as it said there, the institutional stress. So the things that are actually happening at your job, the parts of your job that lead to emotional exhaustion, withdrawal, all those kinds of things. Uh, a lot of the time, like for myself and for people that I've worked with, one of those institutional stressors that have contributed to burnout, uh, there's a couple. So paperwork, my goodness. I understand. I understand how important paperwork is. I understand how vital it is to document everything that happens. I'm not arguing against that, but holy shit, like sometimes looking at the pile of paperwork that needs to be done or looking through the folders on my computer and saying, oh my God, I have X number of hours of paperwork to complete this weekend because I couldn't get it done during the week. That's a surefire way to um, kind of careen toward burnout. And 
Another thing that I've heard and experienced and talked with colleagues about is uh, productivity requirements. So how much our employers actually expect and require us to have uh, those billable hours. And this, so I do want to clarify that, you know, I'm coming at this primarily from the mental health therapist perspective. I don't have a good understanding of other helping industries and how this shows up, although I would imagine um, it's not too dissimilar. So from the Institute of Stress, uh, they, they've they outlined um, the stages of burnout. This is, this is their conceptualization of how burnout typically progresses in somebody who's experiencing it. So the stages are identified as uh, enthusiasm. So you start off, you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, you're super excited, you're in it, you're learning, it's great. And it goes on to stagnation. So you start feeling a little stuck, um, things aren't, they're not flowing as well as you maybe hoped they would be or expected them to be. And the job is just, it's harder than you thought it would be. There's theres more to it than you expected. And it's, you feel like you're stagnating. You're not quite sure where to go. The next stage would be frustration. So I think I've probably talked about this uh, quite a bit. Um, that stagnation often leads into frustration with the job itself. Oh my God, like all this stupid paperwork, it's not even necessary. I don't understand why they have us do all of these assessments on top of expecting me to meet X number of productivity hours in a 40-hour week. Frustration, right? We've all been there. We felt it. Even if we haven't been burnt out yet, I can't personally say that I've ever had a job where frustration wasn't part of it, even if I loved the job. It's so frustration is a stage of burnout, but it's not exclusive to burnout. Um, it's when that frustration leads into that last stage of apathy, which I talked about in a previous episode as I don't care. I don't fucking care what happens. I can't care. I can't do this anymore. Um, I'm done. There's too much stress. It's, they're asking too much of me. I can't get it done. I feel overwhelmed and I don't have the support I need. So I just don't care. Um, this is a stage that can be really, really hard to come back from. It's not impossible, um, but it does take some work. And I talked about in the first episode, you know, there is a lot of individual influencing factors to consider when it comes to burnout. Um, to deny that would be just wrong. There's a lot of individual stuff that goes on when we experience burnout. Um, and there are also, you know, as the Institute of Stress pointed out, there is institutional stress. There are organizational things that may contribute to this feeling of lack of control and feeling like you don't care because nothing that you do is going to change it anyways. And that's a really, it's a tough place to be. Um, and if that's where you are right now, 
I mean, my heart, it really goes out to you because it sucks. That's one of the hardest for me, for me, that was one of the hardest stages of burnout because with that apathy, there was a lot of, um, a lot of negative self-talk about my own ability to be the helper that I thought I should be or to do the work that I was so, so passionate about, right? During that enthusiasm stage, I was so in love with the work. So how did I end up apathetic, frustrated, don't give a hell, like, don't give a hell. Okay, I don't give a shit. (laughs) How did I end up there? How did I end up at the point where I just don't care? And how do I get back to the point of loving what I do? So we've just talked about the, the differences between compassion fatigue and burnout. So what I want to say about that is if you, if after listening to that, you believe that maybe more of what you're experiencing is compassion fatigue, I would really strongly encourage you to look at ways to start taking care of yourself because that is a trauma response and dealing with that type of trauma you know you deserve the the time and the compassion and the care of either a a colleague or a knowledgeable supervisor or a therapist of your own who can help you overcome and heal from that trauma response because that that has as big of an impact, if not a bigger impact on the work that you do with your clients day in and day out. Um, If after listening to that, you're thinking to yourself, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling like I'm in that state of compassion fatigue, but damn, I'm really frustrated right now. And I'm veering toward not giving a shit about my job. You're probably pretty well into the stages of burnout. And again, you may not be that far down the line. You may be feeling a little stagnant and wondering what's going on here. Like things aren't working out the way that I thought they would be. You may be, maybe, on your way to burnout too. Of course, I'm never going to sit here and pretend to be the expert on this and say that I know for a fact whether you are burned out or that you are healed from burnout or that you will be burned out. That's not really my role. Um, I can't, I can't decide that for you. I can't know only you can. Um, but the fact that you're here, the fact that you're listening and maybe nodding along or thinking to yourself like, oh yeah, crap. Like that's, that describes me pretty well. Um, just know that you're in good company. It's not a place that I think any of us imagined ourselves or wanted to be, but you're here. That's the reality of it. And it can, it can, and hopefully will get better. So um, another thing that I wanted to talk about quickly here, and I'd like to get into this a little bit more in later episodes. uh, I want to go over some of the other possible signs of burnout or even compassion fatigue. Again, those things can get a little mixed up. But these are things that were not listed by the Institute of Stress, but that have, uh, quite honestly, just come up for me, 
or that I've heard from colleagues in the process of talking about burnout. So we're going to talk a little bit more about other potential signs that you are either burnt out or that you are burning out. So some of those signs are resentment or annoyance toward the people who need your help or your colleagues or just the profession at large. Uh, You may have a very palpable relief when somebody cancels on you. So this isn't just like, okay, cool, you know, I can spend some time catching up on paperwork, maybe I'll browse Facebook for a little bit. No, this is like, thank God they're not showing up. I could not, like, I just can't handle it today. I'm so glad they canceled. Another sign might be uh, your conversations with colleagues are becoming increasingly negative, pessimistic, or you've got this echo chamber going on about how much this work sucks and you're all frustrated and upset and your supervisors and the management just don't even understand. Could be part of it. Uh, Another one is preoccupation with or a persistent anxiety about your work, especially when you're not there. So you're constantly thinking about it, running over your mind, different ways of trying to figure out that specific client problem or freaking out because you've got so much paperwork to get done. Some other signs might be chronic or recurrent illnesses, pain, low energy that don't have a medical explanation. So you've been to the doctor, they're not really able to give you many answers, but you know, you've got this really persistent maybe neck pain or shoulder pain or your back hurts or you wake up every day and you're just so tired and nobody can give you an answer about why. You might have an us versus them mentality. So it's us therapists against the world or us social workers against those juvenile probation officers, like whatever, you know, you start to take on this identity of being persecuted in your job. Another one might be engaging in addictive or numbing behaviors so that you can avoid thinking about or dealing with your thoughts and emotions. And this one, this one may lead a a little bit more into that realm of compassion fatigue, especially the avoidance of emotions part. But this is something that I think somebody who is maybe just purely experiencing burnout may may engage in because they're so frustrated and apathetic that they don't even want to think about it they can't shut their brain off they're so frustrated with work so they're going to mindlessly scroll on their phones or have a couple of beers after work because work sucks and we hate it okay some more Uh, viewing your loved ones, your friends, or the community outside of your work as an annoyance. So you might have some thoughts of like, if only they could just understand, or if only they could just get out of my way. I'm tired. They should know what I'm dealing with. Uh, Other things might be changes in your mood. So you might be ruminating about how frustrated you are, You might feel more depressed, get more irritable, you're overwhelmed. Um, Again, you know, and I'll just say these, these last few ones, these last few signs 
may be more related to compassion fatigue. And again, I'm not here trying to decide which one is which for you. And I think it's important that you have some way to understand and be able to identify what's going on for you. And if you have questions, if you're like, well, I don't know if I'm burnt out or if I'm actually traumatized, that's a really good sign that it's time to talk to somebody if you're not already working with somebody on that. Okay, so that disclaimer out of the way. Here are the last few signs and symptoms of either possible burnout or potentially even compassion fatigue. Um, rumination, depressed mood, loss of interest, overwhelm, hypervigilance, you know, being on alert. Um, you may avoid helping or being in a helping role at all costs. Or alternatively, you may be throwing yourself into work. And uh, I don't know that I really like this word, but, you know, being a workaholic, you're, you're really engaging very deeply as a way to avoid other things. Uh, when working directly with those who need your help, you might start to feel zoned out or not with it. You might even get a little numb to the contents of discussion. So if somebody's talking about something really, really disturbing or uh, heartfelt, you may have an experience where you don't feel anything. You don't have a reaction to it, and that's not normal for you. You might uh, daydream about quitting, changing professions, or just running away from everything. So I know during my darkest moments of burnout, I've had daydreams about just, oh, I don't know, running away to Europe to become an organic farmer. Um, not that that wouldn't be awesome. And I think that if that's what you do, that is absolutely amazing. But during my more profound moments of burnout, I wanted to be anywhere but where I was. Okay, so those are some other potential signs and symptoms. And uh, of course, it's not an exhaustive list. Like I said before, the way that you experience burnout is going to be unique to you because you are bringing so much to the table that is your experience, your thought patterns, your place of work, um, the relationships that you have with yourself and with other people in your life. It's just, it's so unique. But this is a way to kind of put some language around what burnout might look like in a general sense. So the next part that I want to talk about and touch on is how, how that identity may impact your experience of burnout. And again, I can't speak to your experience because that's yours. Uh, it's really your journey to understand how your identity and experiences influence the way that you burn out. So I'll speak about it from from my perspective, because I think it's important to have transparency here too. And for you to be able to understand the perspective that I am bringing to this discussion. So I'll go over... Um, I'll go over my identities. I am a 30-something white cisgendered woman who lives in the Midwest. I live in 
currently a rural part of the Midwest, USA. Uh, I moved from an urban center last year and I'm now living <laughs> among cornfields and cows. And um, it's definitely a very different, a different place for me to be. But it's, it's where I am right now. So white, cisgender, female, I'm engaged. I have been married before. And this is, you know, if, if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about my story, uh, I go over that in the first episode as well. So if you want to know a little bit more about just where I've come from in my professional journey, I'll refer you back to that first episode. But um yeah, so I've, I'm divorced. I got divorced at 25. I got sober from alcohol at the age of 27. I worked previously in uh, marketing and SaaS, that's software as a service. So I worked a lot in um, pretty, pretty male-dominated industries prior to this. And you know, a lot of the ways that I approach my professional life were informed by my previous career, working for startups, working for small businesses where we all had to wear multiple hats, which at this point to me is a code for you're going to be doing a lot of stuff outside of your job description. So I hope you're okay with that. (laughs) Uh, But we're not going to pay you any extra for that. Um, anyways, so those are some of the major perspectives that I am bringing to the table. And I think that's important because I really, really need to emphasize the fact that I am not, not an expert on burnout. I have my own experience with it. I've done a lot of reading on it. I've talked with other people about it. I have provided therapy to other helping professionals who are experiencing burnout, but I'm not an expert. There's no way that I could be. There's no way that I could understand how burnout is going to affect each and every one of you, all of my colleagues, because the perspective that I have is my own. And my perspective, you know, quite honestly, is very Eurocentric. I'm American, grew up in the 90s. Um, 9-11 was a very formative uh, event for me in my young life. I was in, I don't know, what was it, sixth or seventh grade? Um, And the world around me, I've been viewing it through those lenses my whole life. So the big reason why I want to bring that up is, first, I I don't want to position myself as any kind of expert. I want this to be a conversation. I want this to be something where if I'm, not if, when I make a mistake in the way that I speak about this, I want that to be an opportunity to talk about it. For you to be able to say, hey, Megan, you know, like I heard you say, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, this is why that might not be so helpful. Or here's a different perspective on that. Here is how somebody from my, my particular background may experience that comment or that situation or that perspective. I want that. 
I want these conversations to be happening because there are there are too many opportunities for burnout to be an isolating, sad, frustrating, scary experience where we walk into it feeling like we are alone and that people don't understand and there's no way to get out of it other than to just either muscle our way through or self-care our way through or just uh, run away from the job itself. And I just, I want to start breaking down the barriers to those conversations that will give us better opportunities to understand what might be contributing for different people. What are those individual and institutional stressors, the systemic stressors. So something that I experience as a white woman in the Midwest, while it might be, you know, just kind of frustrating for me, it could be devastating for somebody else in another part of the country or in another part of the world. And I don't have that perspective. I don't have that understanding. So it's really important to me that we have just like a baseline understanding of burnout and compassion fatigue with the agreement that those are not the only ways to define these things. The, the Institute on Stress, it's a great resource, but they don't have all of the answers either. Uh, these are starting points for us to be able to understand what burnout is and you know where to go from here so that is that's the bulk of what i wanted to talk about today i would really love to um to hear your your ideas and your feedback on what i talked about here today you know so what struck you about the definitions of burnout and compassion fatigue uh, did you did you learn anything? Was this stuff that you already knew? Have you discovered something about yourself in listening to this? Uh, do you think it's a crock of shit? I mean, I don't know. I, just, just talk to me, you know. Um, what do you think? And, you know, if you're comfortable and you want to, I would invite you to share how, how your experiences and your identities contribute to your understanding of burnout and how they impact the view that you have of burnout and compassion fatigue and ultimately coming back from it. And yeah, you know what? That's, uh, that's all I got. I feel like I'm a rather, um, I'm kind of a wordy person. I was, <laughs> I was kind of planning on this being like a 10, 15 minute talk, but I can be a little talkative. So I'm going to cut it off there. Uh, excited to hear what you think. Let me know your thoughts. Um, you can connect with me on social media um, or through my transistor website. And yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you again soon. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, if you liked what you heard, feel free to hit that subscribe button on the uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 
Um, if you'd like, you can give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You know, that always helps. I appreciate it very much. If you want to connect uh, somewhere else other than on the show, you can find me on Instagram at mentalstatuspod. And you can find my website at mentalstatus.transistor.fm. Thanks.